0: Again, welcome to Life Church. We are so glad that you're here today. You know, after we see a video like that, um, I'm reminded and humbled to be a part of a church that believes in changing the world. I'm humbled to be a part of a church that is uh, generous in their giving and in their time. It's it's been an exciting thing to be a part of. This is why series. Uh, it's actually something as the family focus director here at Life Church, we've incorporated that same series all the way from two years old up to twelfth grade. So in our student life ministries on Wednesday night, we've been doing the same series, This Is Why. And so through the course of that, we've had students sign up to go on mission trips with us this year and really believe that God is going to take that moment and really change their lives. And, and then I'm excited to talk about in from about five years old up to our fifth graders, we've been talking about in the course of the weekend, how their giving, whether big or small, can literally change someone's life. And places like Haiti and Africa and India, that it can literally change, change their life. And, and last weekend, I'm excited to say that that was the largest one-day offering we've ever received in our Life Kids area. I mean, it was exciting to be a part of, to see these students, these kids, come in with excitement to give. And that's a big testament to you as, as parents, because obviously we know where that money comes from, but in order to teach your children generosity... It was an incredible thing to be a part of. Our kids um, pastors were counting pennies for days. I mean, they were counting pennies, but it was awesome to hear the stories of how children were emptying out their piggy banks and bringing their allowances in just because they believe that they can change the world. I actually have quite the collection of Chuck E. Cheese coins, if anybody's interested. Um, We got a lot of those, but hey, it's generosity, right? So we're teaching them to give and to share and it was awesome thing to see and to and to be a part of and watch as our little ones, our five-year-olds, six-year-olds, seven-year-olds, come to the realization that their generosity, their giving here, whether it be in Appleton or Brookfield or here in Germantown, that it literally can change the world around them. And so it was exciting, exciting thing to be a part of. I am humbled and honored to be able to speak today. Um, I, every time Pastor Aaron asks me, I'm always like, are you sure? Um, you know, so it's exciting to be able to be back and, and to be able to speak speak. If you're taking notes today, and as like a little side note, um, if you do take notes, I believe that when we all get to heaven, you get to the front of the line, okay? So if you are taking notes today, uh, if I were to have a title for my message, I would entitle it an invitation to dance, an invitation to dance. Now me, I am I am someone that I do not like to miss an invitation to dance, okay? Whether it's in the car and that song comes on and I'm like, okay, here we go, you know. Or maybe it's at the grocery store and I'm like getting groceries and, and that song comes on. I like to little, put a little pep in my step when I'm grocery shopping, okay. So I don't really enjoy missing an invitation to dance. And I was, as I was kind of reflecting on that thought, I was trying to remember kind of, hey, where did I get that from? Where did that all start? Where did it begin? And, and I begin to think about my mom. And when I was a little kid, she would take me and our siblings and we'd all go to the skating rink. Now, I'm not sure if it's, a, if it's a southern thing or if it's a, you know, a worldwide thing, but we would go to the skating rink and there'd be like those Friday night skate nights and like we would, it was a lot of fun. And so my mom would go and she would get on her roller skates and she would get out in the skating rink and I would watch her as she skated off. And now this, just keep in mind, this was when like I thought like you, that period in life where you think your parents are cool. You know, you're like, oh, man, they're so cool. So my mom would skate off in her roller skates, and I like to call it, like, that 80s bop, you know? Like, it ain't the butterfly, it's the T-Roll. And she'd have that little bounce, you know, to the rhythm of the music, and then she'd get to that corner in the skating rink, and, like, I would have that awkward push-off, you know, like, very uncoordinated push-off. And she'd have the crossover, you know, like, still in rhythm, okay, with the with the music. And I'd watch this happen, and I'm like... Oh, my goodness, that is so cool. Like, I have got to learn how to do that. And so I strap on my roller skates, and I'm like, now keep in mind also that as a 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th, ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th grader, okay, I was in that awkward stage in life where, like, my feet were really long, my limbs were really long. I hadn't really kind of grown into that yet. And so um, I was extremely clumsy and very awkward, uncoordinated, the whole deal and so I get out there with this mission, right, to uh, not to miss an invitation to get out on the dance floor, also known as a roller rink, okay? And so I get out there, and I fall a couple times. I embarrass myself. I get up, and I finally feel like I've got this under control, like I've got this. I, I can feel the beat. I can feel the rhythm, and I'm like, I've got my sidestep going on, the crossover happening. And so all of this activity had worked up a thirst in me, and uh, I was the kid at the roller rink that would plow into the snack stand, you know, like, coming in too hot, you know. Um, my my mom was, like, really thankful for that padding around the bar at the snack stand because I would just swoop right into it, you know. And so, like, I throw myself at the snack stand, you know, and I, I'm okay, I'm good. You know, I didn't, hadn't quite figured out the break piece of it yet. And so I get my slushie, and I'm standing there drinking my slushie, and, and this guy comes up to me, and I'm thinking... Couple skate like what's up? You know, he, I could tell like that's that's why he was coming to talk to me, you know, and um and so he comes up and he's like, hey, like I I noticed you out there skating and I was like, thanks, mom, <laughs> you know, like the '80s bob had worked and so he comes up to me and he's like, hey, I can skate really really well and and I was noticing that every time you were trying to like take that turn, it looked like you were gonna fall and and the whole time you were skating, I was really nervous for you that that you were gonna and I'll, I'll be there to help. Y'all, I was mortified. I wanted to crawl underneath those nasty picnic tables at a skating rink and die. Like this entire time, I thought like I looked cool. I thought that I had the rhythm and I had the groove going on. And the entire skating rink was thinking, God love her heart. Like she's just about to die out there. But the rhythm was, is within us. We want, we have this need to get out and, and to be a part of it. I see it in my almost three-year-old son. Anytime we turn music on, he, like, he likes to dance. He's like, well, it's kind of called dancing. It's more like a power routine. Uh, you know, he's a little like, and I'm like, well, we can work with it. But we love, we love that within us because we were designed with rhythm in mind. You see, rhythm and pace are a natural part of the life God has designed for us. Rhythm and pace are a natural part of the life that God has designed for us. We see it in the beat of our heart. Uh, The the beating of our heart is rhythmic in nature, and we understand that when that rhythm gets off base, and then there's some serious consequences to that. We see that in the way God designed our world that we live in. There are hours, there are days, there are weeks, there are months, there are years. There are beginnings and ends, starts and finish. It's very rhythmic in the way that God designed the world in which we live, and we see it in the beginning in Genesis. You see it through Genesis 1:5, 1:8, 1:13, 19 1:31, and and those scriptures read: There was morning, there was night, day one; there was morning, there was night, day two; there was morning, there was night, day three; there was morning, so on and so forth. The way that God designed the beginning of time was with rhythm in mind. He He designed us with this rhythm. In mind, and, and so we understand that rhythm is an essential part to a healthy life. We understand that that we must have rhythm and pace to to maintain a, a healthy life. We see it, you know, when you're in college and you pull the the all nighters where you stay up, and then a couple weeks later you're you're sick and you think, oh, okay, well that that's where that happened because we all are we're designed to have this rhythm in our life. But how many of you can relate with me and say, hey, I. I, it's a hard time finding rhythm and pace. I have a really hard time finding that rhythm and pace in our world that we live in. And I believe that that tension started from the very beginning in the book of Genesis. You see, God created this beautiful utopia, this this beautiful place where, where Adam and Eve could walk with God. They could do life with God. The, the Bible says that he would walk with them in the cool of the day, that that there was this rhythm in place and in creating such a beautiful space and out of love he also created choice and many of us know the story of Adam and Eve and, and how they chose to disobey God by eating of the tree and in the moment that they did that it, it interrupted or distorted their environment you see it in Genesis 3 7 at that moment their eyes were open and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness so they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves it was in that moment that they allowed sin to enter their lives, so did fear, so did anxiety, so did shame, so did guilt. And when we allow that, that disconnection between us and God, when we allow that sin into our lives, we also allow things like fear, guilt, shame, and ultimately human control. And you see, in that moment, they, were, they understood their shortcomings, they understood their mistake, and they themselves tried to fix it. They tried to cover it up, and in that moment, they, they took on that responsibility, and in that particular activity that they did, it, it disrupted the rhythm that God had intended for them. God could no longer walk with them in the cool of the day, and, and we kind of know how that story plays out, and in our world, when we have that disconnection, we try to fix it. We try to take it on our own, and I believe from that moment on, we've been trying to get our groove back. We've been trying to get our rhythm and our pace back, and in our world, that is harder to do than ever before. It's harder to do than ever before. I was reading an article in the Huffington Post that talked about this very thing, and, and how, and, and just don't get me wrong, I love social media. I love being able to access the internet right at my fingertips. I love emails. I, I don't love emails, but I love to be able to access emails um, when I need to, but in that, we have created this thing that is hard for us to find rhythm and pace. Because you see, there's a difference between noise and rhythm. There's a difference between noise and rhythm. Webster would define noise as an undesired or unwanted sound, whereas rhythm would have more of a cadence to it. It has its stresses and unstresses, its ups and downs. And in the world that we live in, we oftentimes find ourselves in the constant noise. We find ourselves in a constant, oftentimes unwanted and undesired sound that we're in. You see, gone are the days of a desk job, right? Where we leave, we get up, we we leave home, we go to the office, we get to the desk, we leave our desk, we go home, we spend time with our kids, with our family, with our friends. But instead, we can be at the dinner table and our desk be with us right with the accessibility to our phones and the internet we can be at a soccer game and our desk can be with us or a recital or a party our desk can be with us and the world in which we live not, not that there's anything anything wrong with that but unfortunately we find ourselves living in the midst of noise when we were intended to live in rhythm in a pace in a rhythm with life. And what's interesting is, have you ever been in a project where, where you're trying to solve a, solve a problem or, or maybe you're a creative mind and you write or you create things and, and you get stuck? The natural thing we do as humans is we, we step away from it, right? Because change of pace plus change of pace equals change of perspective. And so sometimes as, as our natural inclination would be to step away from it and, and we often fold laundry or do dishes or mow the lawn or play ping pong or, or watch a TV show, something to break up the noise, the constant unwanted push that we're in. And we try to in ourselves create a rhythm. We try to create this pace so that we can come back at the project or problem with a fresh perspective. What's interesting is that Jesus would encourage us to do the very same thing. He would encourage us to do the same exact thing, but in the overarching umbrella of our life. Not just with particular problems or scenarios, but he encourages us to get away in the overarching umbrella of our life. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Matthew 11. Matthew 11. I'm going to be reading out of the message today, so it'll sound a little bit different than maybe the translation you have in front of you. In the midst of all of this, Jesus is creating or, or he's issuing this idea that get away with me. Come get away with me. And in the historical context of this particular scripture, the Jews in this scenario would have been doing the same thing, sewing fig leaves together or or trying to do it on their own, trying to fix their problems on their own in order to create uh, or minimize the space between them and God. So they would be trying and striving to do things on their own, thus the are you burned out on religion, the ability to do something on their own. And what's interesting is in this moment, I believe that Jesus issues an invitation. It's an invitation to those that are tired of trying to fix things on their own. It's an invitation to understand a few things about who God is to us. And I believe it's one that is even more relevant to us today and where we find ourselves in the world in which we live. in the noise that we find ourselves in. And the first invitation is this it's an invitation for him to be our source. It's an invitation for him to be our source. It says, come get away with me, walk with me, work with me, let me show you how I do it. It's more than just a, God is my financial provider, God is my physical provider, but God is also your rhythm maker. He is your pace setter in life. It reminds me about two sisters in the Bible. Uh, if you have them, you can, you can flip there with me to Luke. In and, and Luke 10, it, it tells the story of two sisters, Martha and Mary. And it reads like this. As they continued their travel, Jesus entered a village. A woman by the name of Martha welcomed him and made him feel quite at home. She had a sister, Mary, who sat before the master, hanging on every word he said. But Martha was pulled away by all she had to do in the kitchen. Later, she stepped in, interrupting them. Master, don't you care that my sister has abandoned the kitchen to me? Tell her to lend me a hand. The master said, Martha, dear Martha, you're fussing far too much and getting yourself worked up over nothing. One thing only is essential, and Mary has chosen it. It's the main course, and it won't be taken from her. Now, before we go any further, my entire life, I kind of viewed this scripture as Martha getting in trouble. That Jesus was kind of getting on to Martha in this moment. And, you know, growing up in, the, in a church context, if you, if you grew up in church, you understand that if somebody comes to you and says, you're such a Martha, it's not necessarily a compliment. Uh, you know, like, if somebody comes to you and they're like, you have such a merry spirit about you, that's like, okay, thanks, you know, like, appreciate it. And I think my entire life I had grown up in the, co- in the idea that Martha was getting in trouble. And the more and more I processed through it, the more and more I read about it, the more and more I feel like it wasn't a rebuke as much as it was an invitation. See, Mary saw Jesus as her source while Martha saw him as a placeholder. He was just another special guest in her house. And Jesus was trying to connect with Martha saying, Mary has chosen me, her source, not just another special guest in her home. You see, in order for Mary to be sitting, Martha had to have been serving. Jesus never says to Martha, hey, you should really be more like Mary. He just simply illustrates the idea that Mary had chosen to see him as the source. And Mary had seen, or Martha had seen him as a placeholder. In our lives, we must see Jesus as our source, as our rhythm setter, as our pace. He's our pace maker. And see, in order for us to find peace, we have to find pace. And God is the one that sets our pace. This summer I was, at, uh, I was at kids camp, and I was watching the kids out there, and they were playing jump rope. And I thought, well, I'm going to go show them how it's done, um, you know. So I go out there, and, and you know that stance that you get before you jump into the jump rope? It's like you're kind of rocking back and forth. You're trying to get the rhythm. You know, all these kids are running in, right, and they're getting out. And I'm like, guys, this is how you do it. You got to be patient, you know. Like, get the rhythm in you, right? And so I'm watching as these, these kids are, are setting the pace of the jump rope, and I'm, I'm kind of rocking back and forth a little bit, you know? And then finally I jump in, and as wonderful, loving children that they are, they start speeding up the pace on me. You know, they're, like, going really, really fast, and I'm, like, jumping as, like, fast as I can, and eventually I get out. But unfortunately I think that's the way we look at God sometimes as our rhythm maker as our as our pace setter is that we're we're right on the edge of jumping into the into the the jump rope and and we keep thinking oh but I have a fear of failing. I ha- what if he changes the pace on me? What if he speeds it up too much? What if it what if it, what if he slows it down too much and and we're afraid to jump in and trust God. We're afraid to jump in and say he is my source. Hebrews 13:8 says that Jesus is the same today, yesterday and He is God and he changes not. Our rhythm maker, our pace setter does not change. He is our source. And in this moment, it's an invitation for us to view him as that, as our pace setter. You know, in the Bible, over 44 times it says the words, in Christ. It says, in Christ, over 44 times in the Bible, to illustrate the idea that apart from him, we can do nothing. We can do nothing apart from him, and that when we're disconnected from God, we're disconnected from our rhythm maker, our pace setter. It's an invitation to view him as such. You know, the other invitation that I believe we have, it's an invitation for him to be our lead. It's an invitation for him to be our lead. Now, the message would would read this particular scripture and it would say, Come learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill fitting on you. Other translations of this same particular scripture would read, My burden is easy and my yoke is light. Okay? So, to parallel, to illustrate or illuminate this idea a little bit more, you can see it through an agricultural illustration. So in, in this context and in this time, what you would have is you'd have a farmer. And in order to get the work done on the farm, he would buy two different animals. And he'd buy one strong oxen, and then he'd also buy a weak oxen. And many of you have probably heard this, this illustration, but he would buy a stronger one, which would be more expensive, more mature, and, and would have a little bit more history in plowing a field or doing the work. And, and he'd also buy a, a weak one a young one. And when they would get home, he would bind them together or yoke them together. And what would happen is that strong, wiser ox would set the pace for the weaker one. He would kind of make up for the weaknesses in the younger one. And the farmer would get the work done accomplished at a fraction of the cost. And so the idea that Jesus is communicating here is let me do life with you. It's not about doing less, but it's about living more abundantly. It's not this idea that we must all be more like Mary's and just sit and not do anything and just stare at the eyes of Jesus, you know, like those things are very, very beneficial. But if you're like me, I'm more of a Martha and um, Jesus is never asking us to be more like Mary. He's just simply asking us in order to find real rest to do life with Him. Let us yoke together with Him. And then it's the idea of living in this unforced rhythms of His grace is that in our weaknesses, He's strong. He is our strong oxen. He is the one that sets the pace for us. He wants to do life with us. It's just like in dancing, how you have two people are dancing, but one person is taking the lead. Jesus wants to be the lead in our life, but he wants us to do life with him, because in our weaknesses, he's strong, and in our failings, he's victorious. and. And in our shortcomings, he's more than enough. And when we look at the hills that are in front of us or the challenges that we face, the mountains in front of us, he's the one that's yoked together with us, setting the pace for us, that when we slip and when we fall, it is an, un, it is an unforced rhythms of his grace that allows us to continue on, to keep pressing on. And in that, we find real rest because it's never about what you can do, but it's about in your weaknesses, in your failings, in the places where you don't feel like you're good enough. He is yoked together with you. He is bound with you and he keeps your pace for you. He is the one that binds us together. He is our strong ox. There's a scripture in Matthew, Matthew 6, and uh, it's one of my favorites and the message reads it so beautifully. And as I was thinking about who we're connected to, Two, who we're connected with, who we do life with, and and why is it that we find rest with Him? Who who is He? This is what the Bible says in Matthew. Matthew six thirty through 34 says this, if God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never seen, don't you think He'll attend to you, take pride in you, do His best for you? What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, To not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who do not know God and the way he works fuss over these things. But you know both God and how he works. Steep your life in God reality, God initiative, and God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. Oftentimes I find myself in trying to find rhythm and find pace. I allow the stresses of Thursday to overwhelm my Wednesday and the stresses of Tuesday to overwhelm my Sunday. But in order for our soul to find peace, we must understand that this is the God that we are yoked together with. This is the God that we have we have united together with. A God that wants the best for us, takes pride in us. That's who we serve and we do life with. You know, this is one of those messages that, um, quite frankly, it's, It's one that really is kind of speaking to me. And um, I know it in my head, but learning it in my heart is is one thing. And and it's been one that I'm trying to figure out in in myself. You know, what is pace? What is rhythm? How do I do this? And the stresses of life. And and as a woman, um, I often wander to two different places, Um, one being Target and the other being Hobby Lobby. It is something about that Target sign. I'm like a fly to a light. You know, it's like I don't know why I need to go there, but I need to go. I don't even know, you know. I'm like, you go in, and you're like, I need to get toothpaste. And you come out with shoes and a scarf, and you get back in the car, and it's like, where's the toothpaste? You're like, I don't even know. Do we really need toothpaste? I I mean, I think we can, you know, right? So I had, like, wandered into Hobby Lobby at this point, and I was with my husband. And I came across across this sign. And I see this sign, and I'm like, I got to have it. Like, it just, I'm like, I look at I look at my husband, Kevin, and I'm like, I came up with every emotional response to get this sign. I'm like, this, this describes us. This is our, this is us. Like, this is our anthem. You know, like, I'm preaching this whole message in Hobby Lobby, just begging him for this sign. And he just looks at me and is like, just get the sign. It's a sign. You know, and I'm like, okay, I just wanted you to know the significance behind this sign, you know. And so I get it home, and... And we placed it in a prominent place in our home, like right by our TV and in our fireplace. And the other day, I had kind of one of those days where the noise of life had just really kind of been really loud that day. And everybody in my house had kind of settled down and we're all in different places. And I'm sitting on the couch and I just look at this sign and I read it over and over and over again. And I just let it sink into my spirit I just begin to weep in that moment. As I'm reading this sign, it says, take a deep breath, you're home now. Take a deep breath, you're home now. And I begin to think about a God, a God that has never left us, a God that has never abandoned us, would beckon us, would invite us to take a deep breath, to find a way to escape the noise, to get away, to walk with him, to work with him, to live more abundantly, but to take a deep breath because we are home now. Home is not a place, but it's a position in a person and in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus is our home. Jesus is our rest, a God that wants to do his very best for you. And in that, you find real rest. This is a message that is hard for me personally to walk out. I am textbook Martha, okay? And it's hard for me to find rhythm and find pace, but in that knowing that we can take a deep breath, that in the midst of noise, and noise never goes away, it is there, we can find rhythm and we can find pace. Because our God says, come, get away with me. Work with me. Walk with me. Watch how I do it. Come and learn the unforced rhythms of grace. So when you fall down, my grace is sufficient for you because I am beside you, walking with you, not abandoning you. And setting a pace that you can walk. A pace that you can maintain. And in that, you find real rest. You know, one of my favorite quotes of all time is what the most important thing about you is what you think about when you think about God. The most important thing about you is is what you think about when you think about God. And I know in in a place like this that there are people who have different ideas of who God is. And maybe today you heard a different perspective of a God that is full of grace and full of love and is there to lift you up when you fall down. Here in a moment, I want to invite you. Maybe you feel far away from Christ. Maybe you don't have this relationship with him and and you would say, you know what? I'm burned out on religion and doing and and not living with Christ. I wanna give you an invitation today to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans 10, nine and 10, that when we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that he is who the Bible says that he is, that that's when our relationship starts with him. So in a moment, I'm gonna pray and, and as I do, I, I encourage you to do as the Bible says, confess your sins, the things that separate you and God. Believe that he is who the Bible says that he is and start this relationship with him. Work with him, walk with him, watch how he does it. You know, if there's people in this room like me and you find yourself often in, in Martha's shoes and you're, you're caught up in the busyness and the noise of life, I encourage you today as we pray to take a deep breath Take a deep breath and take in the real rest of a heavenly father who takes pride in you and does his best for you and wants to walk with you. He wants to be strong in your weaknesses. He wants to be victorious in your failings. He wants to do life with you. Jesus, we just... We thank you, God. I thank you that you sent your only son to die for us. I thank you that you would give us an escape from the noise. God, I pray for the people in this room that that are having that genuine conversation with you, that are confessing their sins and they're believing in their hearts. God, I just pray that, that your presence would surround them, that your grace would lift them up, Jesus. Raise them back to life today, Jesus. Remind them that you are there at every turn that we take. And Jesus, I pray for us. God, I pray that you would remind us that we can take a deep breath in you, that we can find peace and we can find pace and we can find our rhythm in you today, Jesus, because you care about us. You take pride in us. Jesus, allow your unforced rhythms of grace to lift our head today. It's in your mighty name I pray, amen.